0: It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker.
1: Where? Oh, that's me. Hi. Welcome to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. We are back for another couple of hours of motorsports conversation, and we have got a busy Stock Car Show lined up for you tonight. We have got actually three very special guests, of which one, Tyler Dipple, is already in the Race City USA PMN studios with us here in Mooresville, North Carolina. We'll be joined shortly by Mason Mitchell, and then we'll have uh, George Hamill at the top of the second hour. And George is a paraplegic racer in the Lucas Oil off-road series and he's got an incredible story so you want to stick around with us for that my name is tom baker i am the ceo and senior editor of race chaser online seated next to me at the round table is jacob Seelman, the managing editor cisco Scaramuza joining us via the race chaser skype line and bill is our producer for the evening <laughs> welcome back bill first time uh, back in a week or so he was under the weather and uh happy making to, me do all the work yeah happy <laughs> to have him back behind the glass bill holt from the carolina school of broadcasting is our producer for the evening and guys we've had a busy newswire in the last couple of weeks really but especially this week and a lot of it's been open wheel news um as in dirt track open wheel kind of stuff midget sprints but One NASCAR news item that is well worth some conversation at the top of the hour here just to get started with John Hunter Nemechek. And this is I would say that half of this is probably the worst kept secret in the garage or the latest edition of that. I think we all expected that John Hunter Nemechek was going to get a promotion but what we were all hearing originally was it was going to be with Richard Childress racing. That was kind of the speculation. And, of course, as we all know, rumors are only good if, you're, if you if spread them. And half of them are also just plain nonsense. Well, it turns out we had the wrong team. John Hunter Nemechek is now going to run a part-time Xfinity Series schedule with Chip Ganassi racing in the 42 car and bringing fire alarm services along with him did not specify the number of races jacob but you know what i'm hoping it's at least half the schedule because honestly i think this is for a number of different reasons on a number of different levels this is the perfect situation for him
2: absolutely in more ways than one and good evening everybody uh I love this. I love everything about this. I also love the fact that it brings the Nemechek family back home to car number 42. Because, of yeah. course, if you'll remember, back oh, 20 years ago or so, Joe Nemacek John Hunter's father drove a car numbered 42 in the Cup Series for Felix Sabatis, who is a minority owner now at Chip Ganassi Racing, and appropriately drove car number 42 for Sabco. So John Hunter gets to kind of rekindle that family heritage a little bit. But you're right. I think this is a great situation. John Hunter's had a lot of stress on his shoulders the last couple of years with money issues and not knowing whether they were going to be able to get to the racetrack the next week and pressure to win and make the playoffs and perform at the highest level possible just to keep the doors open. Now the pressure's gone. He's driving for somebody else. He's in a power situation with some really good equipment underneath him that we know has gone to victory lane with multiple different drivers. And he doesn't have to worry about points. That, to me, is the best thing about this. For once, John Hunter Niemicek does not have to worry about points. He doesn't have to worry about you know running his guts out to keep the doors open. We know the doors are going to be open. He just gets to go out and focus on winning, which he hasn't been able to do for a long time, and I think that's a great thing for him. It lets him relax. It lets him refocus and... I hope it leads to him winning a race or maybe a couple of races next year.
1: I believe he will. Uh, if he gets enough starts, I believe he will. And I I like this, and I, for all the reasons you just said, really, I like it. But the, the thing that I think about, I don't know if you can say the pressure is gone, Every time you step up a level, I think the pressure increases because you have to be able to perform well enough to stay there. Well, but I know what yeah, you're saying because I, in his situation up until now, they've, been, they've had to do so much with so little compared a diff- to a lot yeah, of the bigger it's teams. It's a different kind yeah, of pressure. Exactly. You're right. He's going to have the resources around him. He's not going to have to worry about being competitive. And it's really, for him, going to be about learning. And I feel like Cisco... That this really is an opportunity for him because when you look at it, it's only going to be a year or two probably before Jamie McMurray decides to step out of the seat of the one car in the Cup Series. So I feel like Chip Ganassi just basically signed Jamie's replacement for that as long as John Hunter performs. I don't see why he doesn't step up into the one when Jamie's ready to leave. And cutting down to a one-car Xfinity operation means John Hunter is going to get 100% of the resources when he's driving that car. So this just seems like a winning situation all the way around for him.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And for John Hunter, it's a case where I think he will be able to perform in the Xfinity series. I've always been a little bit worried about drivers who only get to spend one year in that before jumping right up to cup, but Hey, the guy who's going to be driving uh, one of the cars at Hendricks doing that as well. So, I mean, I can worry as much as I want to about, you know, if he's ready or not, but if chip decides he's ready, guess what? Bam. He's going in the one car. If Jamie decides, yeah, you know what? I think I have had enough at least for now. So I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see what Jamie's take's going to be on all of this if we get a chance to hear from it at some point. You know, if he's going to, you know, kind of groom John Hunter at all for that car. I'll kind of what Gordon did with Elliott and what uh, Junior's doing with Bowman. Or are we going to see? You know, Jamie just kind of move on, be like, yeah, I had my fun, and just kind of move on. So I'm curious (laughs) to see what the uh, the caretaker of the one car is going to do with the driver who will probably fill his spot.
1: Well, I would imagine, Jacob, that knowing how that operation works as well as I do, that probably both Kyle and Jamie will be readily available for yeah. uh, coaching and mentoring for John Hunter. And I think Jamie probably, I would almost think Jamie probably stays another couple of years. Yeah. You yeah. know, and uh, I, so maybe this year and next kind of thing and then he steps aside and john hunter moves up and then we have to worry about who's going to fill the 42 at that point but uh for right now i think it's a good a good situation for john hunter i think it's a good situation for chip ganassi racing but it also creates another question because part of that press release and that announcement was that there's only be one car in the ganassi xfinity stable which basically closes the door on brendan Poole returning with uh, DC Solar to uh, the 48 car, which now goes away, Jacob.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to get into that whole thing because I want to talk to Tyler here in a second. That's a, I feel like that's a story to discuss once we have more information. We really don't have anything, and Brennan's not divulging anything right now. There are rumors, there are suspicions, but we really don't know until Brennan says something, so I think we just have to kind of wait as far as that's concerned. I don't know.
1: I don't know how much we... I think we thought we knew more about that than we actually, than we actually really do, because a lot of people yeah. were talking about the 27, and supposedly right now, that's probably not going to happen Correct. for a couple of reasons Correct. that we'll get to later. So let's talk to Tyler Dipple here, shall we? Tyler's been sitting here at the round table with us, first time that he's been able to be in the studio. Tyler, it's good to have you on the show, and the thing is, I think at this point in time you gotta be pretty excited about next year just because of the fact that you know you're gonna be with Rhett Jones Racing and it appears as though maybe more Arca.
4: Yeah, that's the way we're looking to right now. i uh, I really we don't have a schedule set in stone, but it looks as though that we're probably gonna do some full-time ARCA is what the plan is you know there could be a few K&N races of course I'll run my big block some maybe a couple super late model races like we did this year it's just uh we just got to figure out scheduling a little bit
2: for you though uh, we were actually talking about it before uh, we came on air live here there's a lot of things I think for you that are appealing about running more ARCA races next year Uh, specifically some of the bigger tracks that, uh, you know, if all goes according to plan, you're going to have the opportunity to be be at next year that you haven't gotten to yet running two years in the K&N car.
4: Yeah, that would be so much fun, just getting on the bigger tracks like Talladega, Daytona, you know, they go to Chicago, now Charlotte. Charlotte, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, that's
2: kind of where I was getting at with that,
4: right in our backyard here. Yeah, that would be super cool, I mean... I hope we end up doing the full-time Arca because they got a really solid schedule right now.
2: And some more races, too, in the big car. I mean, you talk about full-time K&N, but it's only 13, 14 races. So you talk about a 20-race Arca schedule. It gives you a little bit more consistency, too.
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. I always love to be in the sea as much as I can in those extra races. And being at the bigger tracks would be really cool, you know, because I haven't, K&N really doesn't go to that many big tracks, just Dover and New Hampshire, but they added Gateway. I saw which yeah. was, which was cool and they're going back to New Hampshire twice again, mm-hmm. so you know, maybe mix it, mix it up with some few ARCA K&N. So, I, think I don't know.
1: Gateway would be an awesome that's going to be a neat show with IndyCar.
4: Yeah, I think so too. That would be sweet.
2: Talk a little bit about obviously you and I have digressed about this a <laughs> bunch. Your K&N season summed up in about two words. Bad luck.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, Just a lot of flat tires. I think we count 11 flat tires on the season between the whole day with practice and the race and everything. It's just, you know, we had a lot of speed. just seemed like nothing could go our way. But, you know, you have some of those races and you have some of those seasons. You know, you just got to keep working through it. You know, I know I'm fast. I mean, I know I got good stuff. We just... Need to get the monkey off her
1: back.
2: (laughs) Tom, 11 flat tires. I mean, how? how does that even happen?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, there were a couple of guys in K&M West over the last two, three years that had that situation, yeah. too. I, I don't understand how that many tires go flat on the same car over the course of the season, but you must have found every nail and piece of debris in the racetrack, Tyler.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't even want to talk about it.
1: Well, we'll give you a minute or two <laughs> to not talk about it, because we got to step aside and listen to some things, but when we come back... We're 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 going to have more with Tyler Dimple. We've got Mason Mitchell coming in. And then uh, we're going to talk to George Hamill from the Lucas Oil Off-Road Series at 8 o'clock. And Kyle Suse at 8.30. Still a lot of stuff to come here on the Stock Car Show. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
4: Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: We're dippling in the studio now, and we got Tyler Dipple <laughs> with us, and. Uh... <laughs> Tyler's, first time. Uh,
2: Tyler's just like, what did I walk into? Yeah, to? first time
1: Tyler's heard that re-entry, I think. Uh, we, we like messing with drivers. Yeah. Just, That's what we do here. Yeah, just to explain to all of you in the audience, the drivers <laughs> cut those, obviously, what we would call dry, without the music, and we put music behind them, and uh, our boffin chose an interesting recording to be behind tyler Dipples, so we have now christened that hashtag dippling uh and tyler you know what uh i know you want to dipple your way into victory lane in the arca tour next year and one of the things that i think about with you is if you could get a full season in arca your dirt experience when it comes to the two dirt tracks i mean you've run them before but you haven't run a full schedule to me that becomes an advantage because whereas a lot of the other guys don't have any experience on those two tracks so they get there and it's kind of just let's get through this and do the best we can you know you you get out there and it's like i want to win these two right (laughs) so you know you're actually uh used to running them in a big block modified up north you know the tracks like that so talk a little bit about the overall schedule in this series you mentioned uh salem and my gosh i mean anything you run at salem is, has got to be just amazing
4: yeah no i the schedule's really cool and they, i like that arca's going to those two dirt tracks again you know i love dirt always you know
2: you ran it's the just, dirt races last yeah, year didn't yeah, you
4: yeah yeah we finished third and um I don't. I think we got taken out of the green-white checker, the other one. but Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, it's yeah. still super cool to run an ARCA car there. It's just uh, they drive like nothing else. You can't even compare them to anything I've been through. <laughs> I think through you under. told me it was like driving yeah, a tank yeah, around there. Yeah, heavy <laughs> tank. Uh, but, yeah, they're still super, super fun. And you definitely have to have a lot of car control at those tracks because the line is very, very narrow, and the track rubbers down super quick. So you definitely have to have – Past dirt experience to know where to read the track and where the grip's at.
1: Okay, so for those in our audience who aren't familiar with the type of big block super dirt car modifieds that you race, talk about the difference between an ARCA car and dirt and a big block car and dirt, and kind of talk about the the big block car more specifically.
4: Well, compared to a big block, the big blocks obviously have a lot more motor, but they're about a thousand pounds lighter, which makes them okay easier they stop quicker accelerate quicker and just the suspension they're just made for dirt they got a lot more travel and they just you could throw them a lot around a lot easier than our car being an our car it just feels like you're on top of the track almost just like on loose ground the whole time and just sliding and it's really unresponsive you get that thing <laughs>
2: sideways it's just like a lazy slide through the whole corner <laughs> Well, I loved your description the first time you were ever talking about it with us. I think it was on this show, actually, when you called the ARCA car like being a tank driving the dirt tracks. Uh, But you mentioned in in our first segment with you talking about still running your big block, likely in some races next year. I know... That's like your golf game. You know, we talk about some of these cup guys, you know, having something to get away from the cup car, get away from what they do normally. That's what you grew up in. That's basically your golf game. I mean, why is that so important to you as far as not only connecting back to your roots, but having fun with it too?
4: Yeah, I mean, I just love doing it. It's what I grew up doing. I have I just love those cars. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get away from them. I'll always run it no matter what car I'm in. I'll run a few races or just – So much fun to drive. I
2: just couldn't get away from. Out of all the big block races that you've run in the past, can you pick out one or two in particular that are just, you know, if you were recommending to a guy with a big block, you know, hey, this is somewhere you need to go run, whether it's a track or a big event, which ones would you pick out that are your favorites?
4: I would pick out for sure Charlotte, World Finals at Charlotte. I knew you were going to say that. Volusia down in Florida that place is wild with a big block and I would say if it's still there you'd have to go the moody mile at Syracuse but unfortunately Uh, don't get don't get Tom started (laughs) well
1: I mean see that the the thing with me with that track is I mean I've been going I went there for so long and I watched the track deteriorate and I mean it just it was bound to happen at some point but now did you go to a Swiggle? Have you been to a Swiggle for super dirt weeks?
4: No, I haven't. Okay. And, uh see so you missed it. This yeah. year. that
1: track was like glass. It was yeah. so fast.
5: Yeah.
4: yeah, no, it just I don't really know. I mean, I like what they're trying to do there, but it's just it doesn't it doesn't feel the same as Syracuse and I don't know if we're it's gonna not go, a mile, but yeah. it's a fast
1: five A's. It's Literally. Def-
4: Definitely not fast with the surface they got it you're crawling around there like a the pace of turtle, but not
1: uh, not not last year. They had it like glass. They were running like yeah. nineteen second laps, which is Pretty darn quick there uh, for, dirt. for a dirt car. And, you know, they were talking about how fast the world of outlaws would be if they ever went there and the track surface was like that. The first year was slow, but last mm-hmm. year they really improved it.
2: Now there's a question. I, I'm glad Tom brought the, the outlaws up because the, I, I've always wanted to ask you this, and it seems like I never actually think to do it. If somebody ever gave you the opportunity – would you would you hop in a four ten and go and go play? Would you want it? Is that something you'd want to try if you ever had the shot?
4: Oh yeah, for sure. I, if someone gave me an opportunity, I'd jump right in that thing right at the track. I always want to try one of those things. They're so cool. If you, your mother's listening to the show, she's yeah. going no, yeah. no, no. I don't think yeah. she'd be able to stop me.
1: Her, her heart's <laughs> going boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah, no, don't get many ideas. Uh, no, it's uh, but you know what? I I think. Again, you come from a form of racing, Tyler, that it is it feels like it shouldn't be translatable to anything. And yet I kind of feel like it's actually translatable to a lot of different things because it's a combination of high horsepower and really good car control to get to drive those things.
4: Yeah, for sure. I feel like. The biggest thing in the big block is you could make your car do a lot of things and moving around, up on the cushion, you know, just searching through different lines, playing with a lot of things inside the car, and that helps you a lot in the asphalt car being once that green flag drops, I mean, you pretty much got what you got. You can't really, there's, you're very limited in the asphalt what you can do as a driver at most of the places to help fix your race car, but I think, Being from a dirt background, it helps you a little bit of what to say and how to change your car to make it better.
1: Is it true that dirt actually gives you more comfort driving the asphalt car looser?
4: I would, yeah, I tend, from Mark's standpoint, being that I like a looser car, being from a dirt background, I think.
2: Now, what do you feel like, despite all the tire stuff, Mm -hmm. what did you learn this year in K&N compared to where you were in your rookie season because we I think you and I talked about this before you won so quickly in that rookie season it was kind of unexpected and then it was really kind of rocky after that but what do you feel like you learned this year uh, that has kind of prepared you to take that next step
4: uh just how to feel race car a little bit better and i feel like i got better on the bigger tracks learning the arrow not that it's huge at places like new hampshire but it comes into play when you run up on someone Mm -hmm. i feel like i got better on those and uh just overall got i feel like a little bit better at the places that we went to i know the results aren't what we wanted but at the race we ran good every time it's just unfortunate endings each time
3: what do you think has uh is there still something that When you're out on the asphalt and everything like that, that's still you're trying to learn and you're still trying to improve on right now?
4: Uh, You're still trying to improve every time you go on the racetrack. I mean, you just try and, if your car is perfect, you just try and make it a little bit better. I mean, I've got to every point, I feel like, where I've learned a lot about the asphalt cars making the transition. I just have to get my race car perfect quicker I feel like making good changes at practice
2: what was the biggest struggle for you adapting to the pavement as as compared to knowing what you wanted on the dirt
4: probably just the security where you have to drive it into the corner meanwhile just not driving in with the gas or the brake in the dirt car you gotta because you get the sense when you do that to get very loose in and I feel like once I learned that it definitely got a lot better
3: what do you think, uh, Tyler, is going to be the next place that you're curious to kind of learn how to race? What's that next kind of step that you're looking at? Going, oh boy, time to move up to this level.
4: Um, I mean, I'm kind of stuck right now, being 17 at an age. So next year, if we do do the full ARCA. Of- Schedule. I'll end up missing Daytona because my birthday is actually Bomber. yeah early April. It's it's dumb. I think you could test and practice, but. You can't just go. Can't over, race, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's stupid. I don't want to talk about
1: that. Either. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it, I
1: well, mean, I think you just did. Yeah, you,
2: you're, you're at least, I mean, he's at least a little bit better off than somebody like Todd Gillil under Harrison Burton. They, you know, Todd has to miss four truck races if he's going to run the whole thing. And then there's Harrison, who doesn't turn 18 till October. So yeah. at least you only have to miss one race. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, no, I feel like that would be super cool. And I forgot what well we're getting out the first question was though, uh, but, uh, just yeah. kind of uh
3: it's be so obviously I was kind of alluding to Daytona but just in general are there other tracks other things that you're looking forward and looking forward to trying out for the first time what what else is on that list
4: oh yeah just the the super speedways and the mile halves so obviously I've never been on any of those so I'm gonna have to Go through a big learning step with all the arrow comes huge into those. I got to learn that, obviously, would be the biggest Mm -hmm. thing, probably.
2: Obviously, it's taken a lot of good people and partners to this season. Tyler, uh, who do you need to give a shout-out and a thank you to for everything uh, that they've done to get you to this point?
4: Yeah, well, first off, I always have to thank my mom and dad. They do everything for me, and I wouldn't be here without them. My sister and my girlfriend, Margaret, and Terry Jones for giving me – really fast cars all year long, just the crew at the shop, you know, and everyone that's helped me along the way, DNA Concrete, Tycar Trenchless Technologies, and um, Ford Performance.
1: Well, it's always fun to have you on the program, Tyler, and it's good to have you back. And I'm happy to hear that you're going to be back at Rhett Jones Racing, and I hope you run a ton of ARCA stuff because I love that series and I think you're ready for it. And I certainly hope – that you have about eleven less flat tires in two yeah, so yeah maybe Santa can bring you some fix the flat for your stocking and uh, yeah. you know flex seal. Yeah flex seal <laughs> yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> put some flex seal on it. I don't know if that's gonna do it, but it worked for the boat, I guess. So uh, Tyler, thanks for coming in and uh look forward to having you back on again sometime over the winter where maybe we can get you on a little longer and have some more fun.
4: Yes, yeah, sweet. Thanks for having me. Tonight, That's
1: Tyler Dipple. When we come back, we have got much more of the Stock Car Show. We're going to eventually be seeing Mason Mitchell here in the studio. We've got George Hamill coming up. We've also got Kyle Sousa and much more as we continue on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. Go to their website right now while we're in commercial and check it out. HMSMotorsport.com. We'll be back after this. I'm PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, ORCA Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even RaceCom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible with locations in mooresville north carolina and danvers massachusetts the staff at hms is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety stop in to hms motorsport visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on facebook and tell them the folks from pmn radio sent you what an awesome game
2: I'm Dalton Sargent You're listening to Race Talk on Performance
8: Motorsports Network
1: A crazy night here in this in this studio welcome back to the stock car show tom baker jacob sealman cisco Scaramouza, and bill holt behind the glass of the carolina school of broadcasting and we're just having a good time tonight that's what it's all about it's getting near holiday time and uh you know everybody's kind of uh kind of punchy i think but uh, anyway uh we'll be talking with Mason Mitchell here in just a moment or two. But uh, while we have an opportunity here, toss in another Newswire item that uh, just hit the presses today. Again, um, a hot rumor for a while, but we weren't quite sure because we were surprised at how long it took to officially make the announcement but uh, sometimes it happens that way front row motorsports confirming today i'm not even going to say announcing confirming what we all thought was going to be the truth when michael mcdowell was uh released released for that's a good word from the 95 levine family racing team that he is going to be driving for front row motorsports in 2018 along with david Reagan. Yes, and. You know what? I think this is kind of an interesting. An interesting pairing, I guess, is the way I want to put it. And and the reason I put it like that is because, you know, Landon Castle and David Reagan, I know, got along great. And I'm not really sure all the reasons why, you know, Landon was let go. But uh, Michael McDowell comes in and I feel like Michael and David are so similar in character and temperament that. I almost feel like they're very, very, they're, they're just much alike. And I think yeah. that could really lead to some good synergy working together as this team really is making a play to step up its performance.
2: Well, it's not only them that's making a play to step up their performance, but Ford, as a manufacturer, is making a play to help step up their performance because Ford Performance is enhancing their relationship with Front Row Motorsports for the 2018 season, which is a huge deal. It's a bigger technical partnership with Roush Fenway Racing, Cisco, and all in all, good grief. Bob Jenkins has given so much to the sport for so long in building this team from the ground up I'm glad that this has happened. They deserve it. Yes. I was going to say, I was was
1: wondering if you were just pondering that. I mean, I wasn't sure that was a way
2: I needed
3: a moment to catch my breath. But no, no, this this is going on the theme that we've been going on for a week now, that I'm getting on my manufacturer rant again because TRD figured it out and everybody else is starting to kind of figure out the same sort of thing, that this is the world we live in manufacturers cannot sit and hope that Hendrick Motorsports by themselves or a single team by themselves are going to be able to take it to the might of TRD and JGR. You have to work together now to win.
1: Well, not only do you have to work together, but I think for front row motorsports, it's a, I don't want to say this in a mean spirited way, cause I don't mean it that way at all, but it's about time that they stepped up. And the reason I say it like that is because I've always believed that this was a team that could do better than it's been doing. And I think Bob Jenkins is one of the most dedicated car owners in NASCAR who really puts in every single penny and, and tries his best to give his team every opportunity that he can, you know, they don't have the unlimited resources that some other teams have are the really deep resources and i really felt like this team has always gotten the most and now if ford kind of brings them a little closer and brings everybody a little closer in their organization i'd like to see this team be a consistent top 10 to 15 runner and i think that the potential is there i know the talent's there with david and michael yeah i think it'd be a great opportunity and i'm hoping 2018 is really good for um for this uh, for this team I would agree and
2: we're just gonna throw him right to the fire he knows how this is because he was running late because meetings <laughs> Mason Mitchell so <laughs> we're, we're just gonna throw you right to the wolves and 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 make you busy here with us That's which all, is good yeah, well, we've it, been it's busy been a while my guys are still working <laughs> man <laughs> uh, well okay I'm just gonna get right down to business talk about the new building because you moved away from Mooresville and now you're back again Mm-hmm. Just in a different place than where you were the first time. I know space was has been a big thing for you guys.
8: Yeah, so originally uh where the team started was in the drag strip, um two eight one one five area. <laughs> and uh for a couple oh, years Moorsville. we were there. Yep, yeah, And uh and we, we are by the way. Moved to uh, Statesville um the beginning of this year. Uh and then we were there for probably about ten months I believe. And had the opportunity to move into a really nice facility, uh in, in Mooresville on the lakeside. Uh, business park and ah it's been a really awesome and smooth pretty easy transition uh the building's uh, you know really uh, beautiful facility it provides everything we need to do to get the job done and we've really i feel like really invested into the future with the building um how nice it is the equipment in the building's got a pull-down machine service plates all kinds of uh, neat stuff that's going to help us uh, perform better than what we need to be doing do you feel like that
1: additional space is – is this a foreshadowing maybe to an expansion of your team? Or is this basically having the space to expand if, in fact, the opportunity arises? I he's, mean, he's, is that why you move? Well, <laughs> he <I'm>
8: smiled. <just>, <laughs> <laughs> I want to come on the show next time to talk about that now we well, can come back anytime you want. Yeah, yeah. I can't answer all these questions. That's going to give me more more chances to come back on. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Hopefully, uh, you know, the, the building that we're in right now, um, honestly, it, you know, everything fills up pretty quick, but uh <laughs> there's there's spaces and opportunities that surround us where we're at if we want to expand into different ventures. Um, and, you know, that's where I see the business growing, hopefully, you know. But we have a, a task and a goal right now, and that's to keep performing in the ARCA series and get better and better, and wherever the future leads us, it will. Well, I know where the present is leading you, and it's into the fact
2: that the biggest bullets that we haven't talked about with you because we haven't been able to get you in here until now are a couplefold. I'll go from first to now. You guys have Blaine Perkins for four or five <laughs> ARCA races next year, very good, seventeen-year-old off the west coast originally, and did a bang-up job for you guys at Kentucky, I th- think it was. Yep. Uh, towards the tail end of this season, you—I I know it's only the first of what I anticipate being many driver announcements, but uh, this looks to be have all the making to be in something really good.
8: Yeah, no, it does, and uh, like you like you said, there there is many more driver announcements to come. But speaking of Blaine, um, you know. I feel like he's a very underrated race car driver and I'm all about opportunity and chance and putting yourself in the right position and I feel like we can provide that for him Uh, he's performed and honestly exceeded I think everybody's expectations and what he was capable of doing Uh, showing what he was doing at the test at Kentucky and showing what he was able to do in the race I mean we we battled inside the top three at one point and for the lead Mm -hmm. at, at Kentucky had a little late race, um, some rubs and cut a tire, and we came back and I think we finished ninth, which still was a really good finish for him. First time I've run a big track, and there was great competition there. Then we went and down to Talladega, and first time ever at a super speedway. Obviously, that was an eye-opening experience for him. But uh, did a lot of testing, you know, single car run stuff. Then we did some drafting experience. But from all weekend, he was pretty much second quick on the board. Um, and and which was which was good for his confidence. Um, he's going to be at the Daytona test for us, and then his first race is the Talladega race. So, trying to get him as many laps as we can, and that's what I feel like we really uh, pride ourselves on at Mason Mitchell Motorsports is the coaching ability. From my aspect of it, uh, you know, I'm, I've been in the car, and it's it's you know recent from fresh, and I can help drivers adapt because it's all about adapting as quick as you can. not this day and age, because everybody wants to get to the next step faster and faster. We're going to
1: step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mason Mitchell about what's going on with him and the Mason Mitchell Motorsports operation. Uh, I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot from him in the near future, but uh, more with him on this program right around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on the Voice of Motorsports, the Performance Motorsports Network.
9: Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yeah. And Josh, you're going to?
1: Soccer, Dad.
7: And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion.
6: Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
9: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time.
6: What, what? No!
7: Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: Hi, I'm Chase Cabri, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety you can visit them on the web hmsmotorsport.com or if you want to go see them in person they have two locations one in danvers massachusetts and one right here in mooresville north carolina and a lot of big things happening with hms motorsport now too carrying schuberth helmets for the first time brand new line of helmets and uh, they are the north american distributor for schuberth and some other lines of uh, driver gear as well so make sure you uh, stay on top of Their website at HMSMotorsport.com, and we'll be talking more with the folks from HMS right after the first of the year here to let them tell you what's going on right now. What we have going on is we have Mason Mitchell in the studio with us talking about his move back here to the Mooresville area and uh, Blaine Perkins racing for him. Blaine is uh, a driver from the West Coast who's trying to make a name for himself and uh, certainly a I think a good fit for you guys to have Blaine involved you know I'm sure you would like to have a driver for a full season so you can run for a championship again but uh, you've seemed to have developed a proficiency with having kind of the rotation of drivers in and out all of them seem to be fast and run well you had a number of them last year and um You know, ran up front with uh, most of them, actually.
8: Right. You know, everybody wants a full-time driver, and it makes things simple and whatnot. But um, unfortunately, we're not in that position right now. But we're looking at all the positives, and the positives are working with really multiple talented drivers. And also, it allows us to showcase our product better because, like you said, when we have multiple drivers and we can go out there and perform, which each – Every, each single driver. Uh, I feel like it really shows a lot for Mason motorsports that um, it really doesn't matter who you are. You can get in this thing and, and can compete for the win. Obviously, it matters, but, um, you know, we 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 did that this whole season. I felt like uh, almost every race we were in contention to yep. potentially win the thing. Sure. Um, unfortunately, I wish we could have won more, but that's the way things go in racing and, and uh, how it all plays out. So, you know, with the move, with the drivers that were getting lined up, the projects we are working on to – better ourselves and to go into um not only 2018 but 2019 2020 um it, you know we're really looking forward to the future and uh, it's just everything's about relationships in this business and everything's about relationships in anything you do in life but uh with the relationships that we're starting to build and uh, the things that we're going to do over a long term long period of time i think it's really going to help us down the road and uh, it's it's all just starting right now but uh, you know it will all come to fruit here eventually
3: Mason, what's the chemistry like, considering you have multiple drivers? Is there is there a little bit of competition between them to see who does better? Is there, you know, is there working together? Like, obviously, if you don't have one driver in the car, uh, if the guy who's in the car are the other drivers keeping an eye on it, what's that kind of like?
8: Yeah, I feel like we try to do it and try to handle it as best as we can. Obviously, everybody is competitor, and they're going to want to perform – Better than the next guy, but I try to keep a pretty good handle on that because when you're in the Mason Motorsports banner, you're a team, you're a team member, and you know the the better you can uh, your teammates run, the better you know, you're going to run. It represents exactly. rep- everybody you know in that circle represents each other. So um, if we if a driver is not racing in a race, we you know try to keep them involved. You know like sometimes this year going into this season, I know sometimes some of the kids that we're going to have driving aren't going to be racing, but they're going to be at the track involved with us, you know, constantly learning from coaching to see how different drivers handle different situations, and it's always going to help them get better, so we try to keep a a pretty good handle on it and never let it get uh, into anybody's egos by any means and and always look at the positives to better each other.
3: Yeah, and... Uh, to kind of, before we get too far away from it, uh, I did want to ask, you do have a uh, trophy sitting in the new shop and it is a uh, third place team owner trophy. What's that like?
8: Well, it's a really good feeling. Obviously two more positions higher would be really good, but, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we had a really good year. I'm proud of everybody's efforts that we had in this season to perform. Um, you know, it, it's really hard, uh, with multiple drivers to stay in the, the owner's championship contention and we finished third. Obviously you can go look back at multiple situations where you could have made better, but um, you know, this was a really good year and a really good foundation to keep on building on. I uh, you know, hopefully this, this season, I, which I don't think we'll have a full-time driver, but we'll have full-time cars. And uh, I really want to win an owner's championship um, with multiple drivers. Cause um, I really haven't looked up the statistics on that, but I think it's been a long time since someone's done that.
2: Now, there's a couple more things that we didn't talk about for you guys in the news the last segment that are really important, and I want to make sure you get a chance to hit on. Not only a new shop, not only a driver announcement, but you've been busy on the personnel side as well. Yes. New yep. crew chief, new general manager talk a little bit about everything that you guys have done to bolster that side of things and what you guys are expecting for next year because this is a lot of big changes for you I know
8: it is I mean this is uh, almost like not starting from fresh but from changes and making things happen is, is basically almost like 2014 oh. mm-hmm. with what we were doing um, and it's all for the future it's all to make us better and I really uh, I just really care about the organization and I I care about uh, winning and i don't want to i want to win a lot of races and uh, i want to put ourselves in position to provide the best opportunity that we can for all of our drivers and not saying we haven't done that in the past but you can always get better so uh brought on a new general manager and mr J.R. longley which him and myself have been friends for many many years since i ever got started in arca racing and uh, we've always wanted to work with each other and but timing is everything and we, Finally, we're able to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and we work together, and it's been great. Been uh, making a ton of things happen with uh, different projects we've worked on. You know, we used to always call each other on the phone, and it'd take days to get things done before we ever really worked together. And now that uh, we're on the same roof, um, we see each other every day, and we're really uh, happy about that. Really getting a lot of things rolling through all kinds of different projects, and I, and I can't wait for a lot of them to come to fruit. And we're just scratching the surface. And then we've also brought in Mark Setzer as crew chief.
2: That's what I wanted you to get to. That's big. <laughs>
8: and uh, it is big. And I, I've known Mark for a little little while, and so is JR. Uh, and he's, uh, he's the type of guy that fits uh, the MMM template. You know, he represents, you know, morals. He has a lot of Respect, uh, great attitude, um, abilities. Really smart, educated, um, and and so far so good. And everything's been um, running really well. The 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 flow, the chemistry, everybody working together has been fantastic. Probably the best it's ever been. And we're uh, we're popping out, you know, cars left and right. We're making uh, a a lot of things happen. And our super speedway. I'm really proud of our super speedway program going into the test. Um, It was you know, a huge guest because nobody really knew. And now that we have a lot of to build on, uh, Mark's taking that um, under his wing, and I, I really feel strong about that. And excited to work with him, excited to showcase his ability uh, to bring what he can offer to the table into a winning organization and just keep making it better.
2: Now, I think we should make this clear for anybody that's listening that goes, well, you had Kevin Reed, and Kevin's a tremendous crew chief, and I know he was an integral part of really helping stabilize this team. And, and I think I've heard you you, you mention in the last few weeks, sometimes change for all parties is something that's necessary to help all sides grow. And I think for you guys, this isn't necessarily a change because you know people didn't like each other in all this, but a change because... You, for your side, and Kevin, for his side, felt that it would be best for everybody to grow out of it.
8: Yeah, you know, and, and some things just don't work out in life, and I'm still friends with Kevin and his family, and uh, I seen him last week at the banquet, uh, talked a lot to him, and, and I wish him the best in the future. Uh, you yeah, know, he did help a lot with our organization this past year, um, but, um, you know, he needed to do something different, and I feel like we did too, and um you know, I, I, they'll they'll be strong this year, and and you know I'm just really confident in all the changes that we've made, and and just really looking forward to it. Uh, I know the guys are, are working tremendously hard right now, you know, and with all that we got going on, and all the the positive energy around us right now, uh, it's things are looking up uh, big time.
3: And speaking of what you've going on, got going on, Mason, uh, there was a little bit of a test going on lately over at uh, at Talladega with some of the new composite bodies and everything. Long day for you guys, but talk a bit about that. How'd that go?
8: It went really well. Uh, it was a total gasp because the new composite body on a super speedway, nobody really knew what to expect. Uh, and we took some time and, and really um, – you know, evaluated going into that, what we should expect and, and whatnot. And I guess we guessed pretty well cause we were really fast <laughs> and uh, it went, it went fair enough. It went really well. I mean, uh, we, from unloading, which we unloaded quick uh, to going home, we picked up over a second and wow. we ended up coming home with a laundry list of to do's to that car to gain speed. So that's the biggest thing I'm proud about is just you know, you, you want to, you get to the racetrack and you want to unload quick. I mean, when you don't unload quick, it's a long day. So we learned a ton at the test, and that's what I've been excited about with uh, investing in our future, which I mean, you know, we invested in a, a nice pull down machine, which has allowed us to this R and D all the time. You know, Mark spit on that thing for, uh, you know, days on ends with the super speedway program. And that's something we were not able to do before. Uh, we had um, access to them, but mm-hmm. with uh, not being at your shop and, all the different uh, other aspects that go into using one. Uh, It just was uh, almost a hassle at times. So we did a lot with a little before. Now we're getting more and more resources on our side, and there's a lot of other things that I wish I could talk about right now. But they're so – They're coming. Yeah, they're coming, and uh, they're pretty big things and really cool projects that we're working on that's going to help us perform better and help our drivers in the future
2: you're a team owner, so you can speak to this from outside just the driver perspective before we let you go. Obviously, a lot of change over the past couple years in the ARCA Racing Series. You've seen a lot of it. Where do you feel like the series is at right now?
8: I feel like it's on a tremendous upswing. Um, Over the last year or two, the car counts have been growing, the competition's gotten better. Uh, I feel like the, uh, the crowds are getting better, everybody's involved, and I think that and you know, the major uh, thank you to, to that is Ron Drager and ARCA. Um, you know, he's the main guy in charge. Obviously, his staff has done a great, great job, but you can go to him uh, any day of the week, 24-7, literally, uh, and talk to him about any issue uh, that you want. And that's so cool to have a, a guy that's uh, the, the head charge of ARCA to make those things happen. And the changes that they've implemented with <clears throat> the Elmore engine and the five-star body uh, have helped uh, with competition and helped with cost a little bit, uh, you know. You always have with change of initial costs that are going to uh, cost a good amount, but over time they pay off, and uh, it's really allowed for you know uh, us to do more, and it's really allowed for competition to get better.
1: Well, Mason, we always appreciate you coming in and look forward to having you back again after the first of the year. Maybe we can sit and talk a little longer as uh, you get ready to get back on the track and go to Daytona and open your season. Hint, more announcements.
8: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty <laughs> positive that we'll have a lot more going on. And uh, as always, guys, I appreciate the opportunity. I hope everybody listening and you guys have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
1: Same to you and your family and all of your team, Mason. We uh, definitely appreciate having you on. When we come back around the turn, how does a paraplegic race in the Lucas Off-Road Series? George Hamill's going to tell us because he has firsthand experience. I can't wait for all of you to hear this man's story. It is absolutely incredible. It's coming up next on the Stock Car Show right here on the Voice of Motorsports presented by HMS Motorsport on the Performance Motorsports Network.
3: Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Welcome back. Second hour of the Stock Car Show. Gets the green flag now. Here on the Performance Motorsports Network, presented, as always, by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, And we are going to talk about a series, and I love this when we can do this, that we have never talked about on this show before, and I can't wait because I love this series, the Lucas Oil Off-Road Series. And we're going to talk with a driver named George Hamill, a paraplegic racer who is an amazing inspiration to so many people. And what a story this man has. George, welcome to the program. And I cannot tell you how excited we are to have you on with us to talk for a while.
9: What's up, guys? Thanks very much for
1: having me. Well, it's uh, great to have you, as I said. And and, uh, I'd like to just start by allowing you to talk a little bit about the background, talk about your story a little bit, and just give our listening audience an idea of where you started and kind of where you've come to and the obstacles that you faced between. And those of you listening, pull up tight here because... This is a really amazing story.
9: Well, thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, interrupt me anytime too. But I used to be a uh, a professional dirt bike racer. I grew up uh, in Arizona, out in the dirt. So it was, uh, you know, everybody liked riding dirt bikes, quads, and those types of things. And it ended up being a uh, a profession for me. And uh, back in 1998, I ended up uh, breaking my back and getting paralyzed. And you know, it's the nature of the beast when you're riding dirt bikes to to break bones and so to date I've broken 58 bones my back three times and the uh the second time I broke my back was what ended up uh, paralyzed me from the waist down but uh since then I've been able to work really hard and get back on and start walking around again got out of the wheelchair after five years man
1: it's I mean that that is just an incredible story first of all I don't know anyone else who's broken their back three times. And second of all, to be able to go from not being able to, to walk to then being able to walk again, talk about the journey that that whole situation took you on.
9: Well, there was a lot of trials and tribulations. That's for sure. Um, the emotional roller coaster was one of the hardest parts about it, but the, uh, the journey itself, you know, you're you're sitting in a wheelchair and you, you just think like, man, what can I do not to have this? What can I do to make my life better? And I thought to myself, well, I'm just never going to give up. These doctors told me that I'm never going to walk again. I'm going to sit in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I just basically, you know, cursed at them and said, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to give up. And I went through, um, you know, my college years and I drove the wheelchair around school and all that stuff. And ended up just being wanting to to get better so badly that, you know, I thought, what can I do to walk again? And we started finding, like, leg braces that would work, and I started using crutches, uh, like the Canadian crutches, which attach to your forearms, and standing up, and, you know, taking one or two steps, it was, like, the most liberating thing in my life. You know, most people get up, and they're tired, and they're like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. Well, for me, to stand up and get out of bed, I was, like, Doing jumping jacks in my mind, you know, it was crazy cool. So, you know, I started getting a a little bit more strength and and really pushing hard. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I can start, you know, riding a bicycle again and getting a little bit more active. And so I would, uh, you know, get special clip-in pedals and make myself uh, as secure as possible. I'd fall down all the time, but you know, I'd start riding the bicycle and you know it it kind of just led to me keep escalating the the game of my life and i started riding dirt bikes again and in uh 2000 i think it's 2008 or 2009 i was invited to participate in the x games again and uh at the x games you know we got to go to the home depot center and i got to compete against like minded and like bodied individuals some amputees some paraplegics and we were on the biggest stage in the world. I mean, this is, you know, nationally broadcast, worldwide broadcasting, and we got to compete on the same platform that all of the other professional racers did just because we had put in so much hard work to be able to get to that position in our lives again. Wow,
2: George, I wanted to actually go back to the the initial point on this journey. But correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, when... when the initial accident happened in 1998. That was your first major pro motocross race, was it not?
9: Yeah, it was. Um, I had raced a couple supercross races that year, and we did pretty good. But uh, I've always been a better outdoor rider. I like to go in faster in the speeds and the less technical stuff. And uh, I was chasing – it was in Southern California, and I was chasing my buddy, um, one of the Arizona guys that we grew up with. His name's Jimmy Button. He was a teammate to Jeremy McGrath, and uh, at the time, he was one of the top guys, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to follow him around, and I started following him around the track, and I was doing pretty good. I mean, he was quite a bit faster than me for the overall pace, but I was able to pace him for laps at a time, you know, so I could hang with him for a lap or so, and we were coming down what's called Mount St. Helens, and it's just a big hill. It's one of the biggest hills on the motocross tracks in the United States. And it gets what's called braking bumps at the bottom of the hill, like big whoop de doos And I come down the hill, and we're in fourth gear wide open on the dirt bikes at that time. So you're, you're cooking pretty good. And uh, I ended up just kind of falling off the back of the bike and giving it full throttle and hitting a jump at the bottom of the hill just way too fast. And it kind of bucked me off like a bucking Bronco and uh, just threw me up in the air. And I flew through the air for, you know, 70, 80 feet. And landed on my legs, and I broke both my legs, my tailbone, my back, both of my arms, and fractured a little piece of my skull just because it was such a hard impact flying through the air and landing on your feet.
2: I mean, at that point, when you talk about those kind of injuries, and then when you're in the hospital and they say you're never going to walk again, especially with this being your first pro outdoor race, I mean, what is that? Or what were the emotions like at that point? And then for you to dig so deep and just even in even in that moment, facing all of that, say, you know, we're not going to give up. We're going to get through this. I mean, that to me is one of the most amazing parts of all of this.
9: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I think it's it's a little both. You know, I've always had the the strength and, and the mindset to never give up and to always be better. But I think it also comes back to, you know, being young. I was 19 when it happened, so I was a little naive. Maybe I didn't understand the actual, you know, really intense portion of the situation. I maybe thought, like, whatever they're telling me, I don't want to listen to them, you know, like the typical teenager. And that gave me the opportunity to kind of just bypass them and say, no, you know, I don't believe you. You're not right. I'm going to be able to do it my way and that's what gave me the strength to be able to do it. I I didn't understand how big of a journey it was going to be. I just knew I wasn't going to quit.
3: And George, you mentioned, you know, you were you were young when this when this happened, but there's a running theme in the X Games, you know, I think of what you went through and being able to come back on this biggest stage and the X Games is one of the few sporting events where that's on display more than most and not not necessarily because of you know, that that it's built to do that, but rather that, you know, these are extreme sports. It's, it's the X games, but I think of what you've been able to do. I think about Travis Pastrana back when he had his injury and coming back. What is it about motocross and racing in general that gives you, that gives you that strength to come back with such vigor and, you know, such emotion and just amazing. And, you know, being able to do these amazing things.
9: I don't know. I think it's just a personality trait. If you ask a lot of the guys like, you know, Travis Pastrana and different people like that, a lot of them will just tell you that they just want to be better all the time. So most of them, maybe it is being naive or maybe it's just strength. I don't know, but they don't, think about their body first. They think about winning first. They think about being a champion. They think about how much better that they can be at doing what they want to do and what they love. You know, and everybody's addicted to adrenaline in those types of sports. And just like you said with the X Games, when I did get the opportunity to, to to go in the X Games, I made a mistake. I fell down with two laps to go, and I actually ended up breaking my arm. But I got back up on the bike with a broken arm past two people and finished the race, Watched the podium guys because I was so pissed off that I wasn't on the podium and then went to the hospital and
8: got fixed. <laughs> He's a braver I, man than me. I,
1: I mean, I, I don't know if I should be laughing right there, but it just, I love the way you put that.
9: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like you guys said, it's, it's the mentality. You just, you want to be better. You want to do good.
2: George, I, I don't want to get, Too long-winded right here, but uh, if you wouldn't mind sticking with us, we've got another segment coming up uh, after a commercial break here in a second, and we want to talk a little bit more with you, if that's all right, and uh, also definitely dive a little bit deeper into the Lucas Oil Off-Road stuff since you've uh, transitioned to that here over the last year or so.
9: Yeah, let's do it.
2: All right. So we're going to go ahead and step aside briefly, and when we come back, we continue with George Hamill here on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back.
5: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054.
8: Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Performance Motorsports Network and the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, and Bill Holt behind the glass. Having a little too much fun tonight, I think. Good thing this is not in video. Uh, We've got George Hamill with us and really quite... A story here um, George and just having a minute or two to digest everything that you've been through to this point and thinking about where you're at now with the Lucas Oil Off-Road Series I feel like this place where you're at now is just perfect i mean lucas oil off-road just seems like the perfect place to go uh coming off you know a two-wheel career and and all the injuries you've had let's go off-road racing why not
9: yeah exactly and
1: then i love being in the dirt
9: and getting dirty and playing in the mud but uh it took me a while to get up there you know i had to i had to put to put really my mind into it and understand how i was going to be able to do it it's it's not cheap to go off-road racing and I knew that from the get-go, so I I, uh, I should probably back the story a little bit. After the X Games, I was training to you know be better at the dirt bike racing again, still being a paraplegic, but then I ended up breaking my back the third time, and at that point, well, I had another surgery, and the doctor said, hey, you, you, know, you better not do any more damage to your back, otherwise it's not going to be repairable next time, so I made a conscious decision to you know, look into the off-road racing stuff. And I said, okay, well, I'm never going to be able to afford this. What am I going to do? And I thought, okay, well, I'll start riding bicycles and making an impact, uh, you know, and showing people what you can do, even if you're, you know, have setbacks sure. and you can still achieve your goals as long as you try hard. So I started riding a bicycle on the, you know, like the Lamps Armstrong street, street bicycles and stuff like that. And I ended up, you know, doing a 111 mile bicycle race, gaining some notoriety for myself, acquiring some sponsors and, uh, you know, getting some funding for my program. And then I, you know, stepped it up a level again. And me being a, a kid out in Arizona, there's no water out there, so I didn't know how to swim, but I wanted to take on a triathlon. So instead of doing it, you know, working my way up, I just went straight and did an Ironman. Wow. I trained for two years and just did it right off the bat never did a triathlon and haven't done one since, but I knocked it out and got some more uh, notoriety. And three years down the road, I got enough notoriety to be able to fund half of my off-road racing program. And I got uh, some money in my pocket when I saved up during that time, and I was able
3: to get a vehicle and hit the track. Now, George, the series that you compete in, it, well, obviously it's the Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing Series. The, uh, the class of that is the Production 1000 UTVs. And I did a little research because I looked at these and went, those look like Polaris razors, but oh, no, they, they are not just that. Talk a bit about the, uh, the vehicles you're piloting because they are something.
9: Yeah, so all of the guys have different vehicles, but we drive a Yamaha YXZ-1000R.
3: It's a three-cylinder
9: motor, 1,000cc, and they are a four-wheel drive vehicles. so um, they're really stable. They're very safe. You know, we build them with roll cages, and they have quite a bit of horsepower. The power-to-weight ratio is is amazing in these things. I mean, we can go into corners at 70 miles an hour and never hit the brakes and just turn the car sideways and just, you know cruise through corners and we can also hit jumps you know jump 100 200 feet no problem
3: and what's kind of the difference with that and stuff like the pro buggy because you know this isn't a full scale you know necessarily buggy like what you might see in something like dirt four or something it's scaled down but these but these cars still have tons of power in them
9: yeah exactly well the the biggest difference is It's a production vehicle. That's why they call it the Production 1000 class. All of the other classes, you have to build your own vehicle. These ones, you can go into the showroom, you can buy them at a dealership, make some safety modifications, and you can hit the track yourself. So they gain a lot of popularity, and they're the biggest class now at all of these races
3: and uh, a bunch of different classes obviously race at these races obviously you got the pro truck so stuff like what brian deegan's run rj anderson also names you might uh recognize in your class as well as uh people like tommy scranton and also a name that stuck out to me bucky Lassick who made uh looks like one or two starts in the buggies but what's kind of What's kind of the challenge that you get of, or or I guess, what are some of the benefits, I guess is a better way to say it, of uh, running a production class? Because like you said, it is something that you can walk in, buy, and modify. It kind of harkens back to the early days of NASCAR in a way.
9: Yeah, a little bit. And 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 like Supercross and stuff too. it's, uh, It's a really growing sport. It's the fastest form of racing, period, because so many people can, I guess, afford you know, in quotes, to be able to do it because of the vehicles you can go by and you can do it yourself. And the cool part about it is is you may you know, get really good drivers out there. R.J. Anderson's been out on the course with us this year um, and those types of really good drivers. And for me, it's an accomplishment just for me to line up. I'm p- competing on a professional level against completely able-bodied people being paralyzed and competing for wins and championships it's really really cool for me to be able to have that feeling.
3: And uh, I was able to go to your YouTube channel a little bit before we uh, before we had lined up the interview and everything and learned a bit about what you go through during the race and one of the things you pointed out was that because you're going through so many different, you know, getting thrown around the cab in in a in a meaning of sense you still have safety harnesses, still have seat belts, but your legs still go through a lot of a lot of um, jostling around during the race and you actually have a specialty uh, cushion that you have to kind of hold them in place but for you what are kind of the uh what are kind of the stresses that your body has to go through during these races because these aren't just flat tracks you got jumps you've got whoop-de-doos you've got high bank turns you got no bank turns you got everything in there
9: yeah exactly well some of the uh, we have a uh, a gps monitor that we actually keep on the car and we've you know go into some of the corners and it can get upwards of twenty Gs. So it's, wow, you know, I don't want to equate it to driving a fighter jet, but you know it's it's very similar in my mind because it pushes our bodies and you don't really realize it when you're in the vehicle doing it, but when you see it, you know, on paper, it's it's just crazy what these cars can do and what your body can actually withstand
1: that's incredible 20 g's i can't even imagine what that's like under a racing condition
9: yeah and i mean the guys in their pro fours and pro twos doing the lucas off-road stuff i mean they're doing even more but uh you know i mean we can go into a corner 60 70 miles an hour and just turn the wheel so you can imagine all of the the pressure that's inside the vehicle
1: what kind of fitness program would you have to go through and particularly in you know in your situation what what kind of preparation or or fitness do you do during the week to prepare for something like that
9: I'm a really active guy so I ride my bicycle all the time and um for me that's that's pretty liberating so that's one of my main things is I need to be able to keep up cardio and uh you know just muscle fitness and fatigue but you know everybody will tell you that if you want to be a good driver you just drive so you spend as much time in the car as possible you want to be a good rider you ride you spend as much time on the bike as possible so we do a lot of that stuff that's really natural so that we can be prepared when we're in the vehicle.
2: George, how important was the work on the bicycle for you when you were trying to work back in after after the most recent back injury to be able to work back in to the fitness that you needed to be to you know, get back into the Lucas Oil Off-Road Series and be competitive? Because as we've heard and as you know, most anybody who – would be listening probably well knows you're a racer i mean that competitive fire isn't just going to go away
9: yeah exactly well the the bicycle stuff was twofold for me it was one and the most important thing for me was it was overcoming a mental you know block or a mental thing that i had to get over because i'm not just riding a bicycle i'm putting myself at risk of you know, being in the street, getting hit by a car, not being able to react properly, falling down, those types of things. So it made me understand that my mind can react very quickly to any situation. So in a racing environment, I could understand if I'm this close to somebody, you know, we're going 70 miles an hour, we're going to go into a turn, and I'm going to be a half an inch away from him, I have to be able to mentally understand that. And then adversely, I'm training my body to be able to do that stuff at the same time. So I'm making my muscles stronger and they're able to react quicker so that I can do what my mind is telling the car to do in a race situation.
3: And George, uh, some of, you know, obviously with everything you've gone through, you've still been in the position to compete with people. And you've, you've talked, you've talked about, the people that you've competed with where you did come through, you know, and you were, it was people you're competing with who were on kind of in the same sort of situation as you, but back in, you know, now that you're running, now you're running production 1000, you're out there with guys who aren't, who don't have that handicap. Is that, is it, I guess, normal, I guess, in a way where people come up and ask about it. Do other drivers ask you about it? What, 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 how does it kind of affect your chemistry with the other drivers on track?
9: Um, you know what? I, I don't know a good way to answer that. The way it affects me is I'm proud. I'm I'm happy I can go out there and I can compete with these guys. I think it's fantastic. To me, it gives me a little bit of a, an edge in my mind because I'm going, well, you know, these guys are normal and they're doing it. So I feel like I'm even cooler because I'm not and I'm out there doing it. You know, so it, it really, really makes me feel good. And I do get some, you know, some people that talk to me and ask me about certain things, but I think for the most part, the guys just see me with my helmet on in the vehicle as a threat. I'm out there competing with them, and they want to win just as bad as I do, but I could possibly take it away from them. So I don't know that they consider me any different. You know, maybe they do in the pits when they see me walking around because I kind of walk like a penguin. But for the most part, when I have my helmet on, I'm no different than those guys. I'm going to give it my all, and so are they.
2: George, for any young racers who might be fighting adversity or have an adversity in their life, uh, what advice for those who are listening would you give them? And you know, for yourself, what have you learned going through this whole process?
9: Well, I think one of the main things to learn is you have to have good people around you. I have fantastic supporters. You know, my crew chief, my family, my dad is always around. You know, all of the sponsors that help me, Yamaha, Graves Motorsports, which were actually sitting in their office today. They let us use their conference room. And all of those people around make a huge difference. So even if you don't have big sponsors, cherish the people that are around you be good to them you know make sure that you're putting yourself out there on a good humble level because no matter what you do people will understand that and they'll relate to that and first and foremost no matter what happens even if you lose never give up never ever give up because you can always be better the next time
2: from somebody who's fought some challenges in my own right I can say that uh, I'm I've been sitting here with chills for the last twenty minutes, just uh, you know, listening to your story and being able to be a part of this. I think uh, I speak for all of us Absolutely. when we say thank you so much for taking some time to uh, to talk with us here on the Stock Car Show tonight, George, and definitely keep us abreast of uh, of what you're doing going forward into the year because we'd like to have you back on here at some point down the road to to continue to talk about some of the things that you've been up to once the season gets going into full swing and to uh, hopefully talk about a lot more success.
9: Oh, I would love to, guys. Thank you very much for having me, and I hope to talk to you, to you guys very soon.
1: Thank you, George. We appreciate it, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family and to everybody at Graves Motorsports as well. And with that, we will step aside – When we come back, we've got Kyle Souza talking New England motorsports right around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by the fine folks at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. I'm PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents,
5: your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. Do
7: you hear that?
1: HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even RaceCom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent
3: you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for Rad. Hi, I'm Matt Tift and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by our friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. Visit them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com and check out all of the new lines of driver safety gear that uh, HMS is now acquiring. There are a few and uh, some great news for them coming out of the recent PRI show. And we'll look forward to talking with them about that on a future show here. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, joining you, talking New England motorsports now from Charlotte in more ways than one talking about the recently held NASCAR banquets last weekend with Kyle Souza, our new England correspondent who also is a scribe for our friends in Auto racing news and uh, works for NASCAR home tracks as well, doing the PR for the wheel and modified tour, Kyle, the wheel and modified tour, the K and N E series, the K and M West series Kind of all on parade here over this past weekend and you and Jacob had the chance to attend the banquet for the weekly slash touring series. A really good time had by everybody and great to finally see some of the drivers get their due who work so hard all year and accomplish so much.
10: Great time for everybody to come together, enjoy a great meal, and celebrate the season. One of those few times, uh, I think, in motorsports and really in all sports, that we get to really sit back and enjoy ourselves. Uh, that goes for the media, as well as the drivers and the teams. Everybody has a chance to kind of just, you know, take a deep breath look back and reflect on what the season was. And then when it's over, you start kind of preparing for next year. But this past weekend down there in Charlotte, you know, obviously one of the big storylines coming out of that, guys like Harrison Burton and Todd Gillen winning the K&N championships. But another big storyline, Jacob, one we've talked about a lot on the show, Doug Kobe winning his fourth straight title. After his speech again, guys, again, Doug Kobe knows how to get it done on the track, and he really knows how to get it done. At the banquet, one of the few guys that when I left that banquet, I knew had put a hundred percent a fantastic speech together. That was not too long, not too short. Got everything he needed to say in there, and had a few jokes in the middle. And that's something that I think some of these champions every year struggle with. But Doug's done it enough times now that I knew as soon as he get up there, uh, it was going to be another classic speech.
2: And it was, Kyle. It absolutely was. The problem is, you mentioned there were a few zingers, but. Doug self admitted when it was all said and done there was actually one zinger he left out in regards to the whole Ryan Priest versus Elliot Sadler thing that may have showed up on Twitter later when Doug posted a picture of himself with Elliot at the NASCAR Xfinity Series Awards on Saturday night and said they was best friends and they was strategizing. Oh boy.
10: Yeah, we had the chance uh, so for those who weren't there of course Doug Visiting on Saturday night as well as a guest of that truck and Xfinity banquet. And Jacob, we had the chance to sit down with Doug for a while before that banquet got underway. And you're right. He did say, you know, I had, I had a joke in there about Priest and Saddler. I took it out. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed he did, to be honest with you, because I would have liked to hear uh, what was going to go on there. But Doug's one of those guys that uh, is very professional up at the front of the room. Kept it clean, obviously. Uh, Thanked all his sponsors and his team. And this was also a big deal for him with the addition of Mayhew Tools this year. Uh, A new sponsor for him tagging on with Dunleavy's Truck and Trailer uh, and A.J. Romano Construction. So, you know, it's just going to be going forward something we're obviously and think about again and again, if he can win another championship, you know, where does he stand on the all time list? Uh, And a good chance this past weekend, Jacob, I had also to talk with some of the other drivers that were in the room that said, you know what, we're here to celebrate Doug, but we're also here to celebrate our seasons. They recognized Timmy Salamito and Justin Bonsio on Friday night in a formal manner. They recognized a lot of the other drivers on Thursday night, in a little bit of an informal manner, but a lot of guys down there to get the recognition they deserved on what was a good season for them as well.
2: It was all the way around. I mean, Calvin Carroll being Rookie of the Year, Craig Lutz had a strong season. That's one of the things we haven't so much talked about this year, Kyle, is the fact that a lot of these young guys really started to come into their own this year.
10: Yeah, and that's another thing I take away from the banquet, Jacob. Calvin Carroll, you mentioned getting that Rookie of the Year title. We've talked about that before. Uh, But another thing I take away from the banquet that kind of came out over social media earlier this week, uh, well, maybe just after the banquet, but came from the banquet was Craig Lutz announcing that he's going to return to the Gadale Motorsports number 46 for the 2018 season. They're going to run a full-time tour schedule, and they're actually planning to even start that season down in New Smyrna for the Speed Week. So some of these guys that were there for the banquet to collect the awards, also, Tom, having the chance to talk a little bit with their team a little bit more, finalize some of the stuff for next year. And in Craig Lutz's case, he won the poll at Stafford last year. He finished three times in the top 10 in the eight or nine races that he ran. So they've got something to build on, and they're going to head down to New Smyrna to try and kind of flesh out some of those boundaries that they might face when they get to Myrtle Beach. That way they don't have to deal with them when the schedule starts.
1: Well, and that's what's so cool about speed weeks. And, of course, it's just plain fun. I mean, you know, that's a lot of racing In a very short amount of time, it can be a very expensive proposition, but you know, for these drivers, it's a chance to sort of blow the winter rust off, and as you say, get all the bugs worked out, and maybe try some different things with setups and such before you get to the point season. You know, that's a good opportunity for Craig, still kind of new with that team, so that's awesome, and I'm very excited for Goodale as well, because they're, again, an opportunity for that group to step it up for this coming year also.
10: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And those guys had, you know, those people that don't know, Woody Pickett had driven that car for the beginning of last season. They had a little bit of a falling out. Craig kind of came on as a family team, off his family team to visit with them, and they ran well, and he's going to be back. Jacob, another quick point, though, want to mention over the last couple weeks, another story coming out of New England Uh, As far as the modified community goes, one guy that didn't get a chance to attend the banquet is Woody Pitcat. He has been announced as the driver of the number 82 for Danny Watts next year. Those guys had worked together uh, after the unfortunate passing of Ted Christopher. But Woody now is going to have the chance to go back full time on the tour with a ride that obviously is going to have some contention when it comes down to winning a couple of the races.
2: Yes, I can't be happier about that, Kyle. Honestly, that's a very deserving pick. Woody stuck with that team when they needed it most, when they needed the stability most, and just great to see another true racer hook up with Danny Watts for 2018 in that 82 car. I think I wrote it a month or so ago that I felt like Woody would carry on the legacy of that car very proudly the way Ted would have wanted it. So, uh, you know, great to see there, and I want to talk about it because by the time we get back after the first of the year with you, Kyle, we're going to be in full swing with the Indoor Auto Racing TQ Midget Series. And this is going to be fun when you consider Ryan Priest is making a run for the championship. Ryan Flores is the defending titleist. You've got Keith Rocco in the car that Ryan Priest used to drive, who's never been in a TQ before. I mean, this recipe looks to me like it's going to be really, really fun.
10: Yeah, and I think the TQ Midget Series is one of those things that kind of brings together the end of the off season and the start of the new season. Uh, this TQ Midget Series this year is kind of going to encompass a couple of different months uh, in the same. They're going to start in early January, Jacob, the same weekend uh, that I'll be down at the Red Eye 100 for us at the new Smyrna Speedway. So they're kind of tag teaming two big races in one weekend. They're going to start now in town on January 5th and 6th. Uh, They're going to have their annual at Atlantic city at the end of January. Then they're going to go to Albany for the third and final race in the beginning of February. So we were just talking about speed weeks when that Albany race is over speed week starts the next day. So these races guys are kind of one of those barriers between the off season and the start of the racing season Uh, And really, I mean, we're two or three weeks away from this kicking off. And as Jacob mentioned, the lineup for these indoor races is phenomenal right now. Guys like Rocco and Priest and Flores, uh, but also guys like Jimmy Blewett, uh, Tommy Catalano, indoor guys that have been really gritting to try and win these championships. Blewett, you know, has been really good at these indoor races as well. And I think uh, I'm most looking forward to somebody you mentioned, Keith Rocco. I'm most looking forward to seeing what he can do behind the wheel of a TQ midget. We know uh, he can win plenty of SK championships and races, and he's, you know, he's run well on the wheel and Modified Tour before. But I'm interested to see what he does when they get to those indoor tracks. Jacob, you know better than anybody, of course, with the Rumble and Fort Wayne, uh, that these, these indoor tracks are small, gritty, and you're really going to be on top of your game right from the drop of the green flag because the races are not very long.
2: No, they're not very long, and you mentioned I do have a long history with seeing this indoor racing play out over the years. This offers me the ability to uh, hit on one more name that should always be mentioned in the first breath, and you failed to do so, Kyle. (coughs) Eric Rudolph. (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
10: Oh, That's another thing that's uh, Eric has been so dominant over the last couple of years as part of that Indoor Auto Racing Championship Series. Of course, the guys over at Area Auto putting this series on, they actually already had a race. A dirt indoor race was something new they did this year down in Trenton. Uh, but now we're switching to that asphalt. Rudolph, another one that's been so successful on the indoor circuit of late you know something tells me tom that he's going to be successful again because these you know talking to rudolph last year these setups are kind of similar once you kind of hit on something you really have hit on it because unlike an outdoor track uh these tracks are set up the same way and they're taken down at the end of the race you know they're put back up the next year they do it the same way so once you kind of hit on something it usually works for a while
1: Yeah, it's really kind of interesting, to be honest. I think somebody like Rudolph, who's been around this for a while, you see these guys. They're up front everywhere these cars race indoors, whether it's Ryan Flores or it's Eric Rudolph, whomever it may be. Those guys are up front all the time. And I think this is going to be fun this year. A lot of uh, interesting names again. In this uh, series, and i I always love the t q s indoors i 've been watching them indoors ever since I was a kid haven 't had the opportunity to see them in the last year or two, and i 'm hoping maybe I can sneak up to one of the events before the the indoor season ends. But these guys put on a great show, and it 's great family fun
10: yeah, and a great way to you know as I mentioned, bring that barrier uh, in between. Uh, the off season and the, yes. the new race season. Just one more quick mention guys uh, announcement that came across yesterday. I do want to throw in star tools coming on board as the primary sponsor uh, for the NASCAR wheel and modified tour race at Stafford in August, Timmy Salamito uh, going to bring star tools back for 2018 as well. So uh, look forward to talking more motorsports next week.
1: Sounds good. That's Kyle Souza, and we will step aside when we come back more of the stock car show here on the performance motorsports
6: network when do you think of a plumber like most people even if it's an emergency you can be confident about who will arrive to help you for quality and reliability count on someone you can trust call on the plumbing services of Hague quality water of maryland plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency we handle all kinds of preventative maintenance too Hague quality water of maryland is family owned here in annapolis since 1993 For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online.
0: Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke,
9: 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver.
6: My best friend,
3: my brother,
9: my poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband.
2: My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Will
5: Stop these tragedies before they happen, don't drink and drive.
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National
3: Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
8: Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports
1: back to my youth right there. Jim Croce, Bad Bag, Leroy Brown, and Ben Rhodes bringing us back to our lightning round here on the Stock Car Show, which is presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, and behind the glass, Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcasting, ably pushing buttons in all the right time and opportunities, and we are uh, going to chat a little bit. I I wanted to kind of add some spice to the newswire portion of the show because we really didn't have an, a lot of opportunity to talk about everything that's been in the news lately, especially where it comes to the NASCAR front and a couple of things that I that, uh, wanted to talk about. First of all, on the truck series side of things, Nice Motorsports has been in the news The last couple of days, guys, because not only have they announced that Justin Fontaine will be racing with them full time in 2018, but they are also (laughs) in an interesting development aligning themselves with GMS Racing. And I think, Jacob, that this, I chuckle at this, not in any kind of a smart aleck way, but in almost an ironic way, because it seemed like they just went away from Chevy. Now they're back. And a good opportunity for them to really step up their program with a team that is obviously a championship caliber team providing some technical support. No kidding. First
2: in the 2016 Camping World Truck Series Championship with Johnny Sauter. And in the final four in this year's championship fight before falling just a little bit short in the end of it Uh, gms is certainly one of the preeminent forces in the truck series nowadays and i'm i was shocked quite frankly when this came out it was one of those where you just kind of look at it and i had to read it two or three times to really digest and absorb what i was seeing this is really a big moment for Austin self, who was announced back in October, I think it was, as one of the full time drivers for Nice Motorsports in twenty eighteen and now to add Justin Fontaine. The two of them have worked together in the past in the Arca series at AM Racing, AM slash Wintron Racing. So they're no strangers to being teammates and they will be again in two thousand eighteen. I think it's a great opportunity for Austin Self to get back full time. He's been wanting to be in a truck on a consistent basis. And this technical alliance with GMS is going to allow both of these young, very hungry drivers to have a shot to do some really decent things, you know, an equipment alliance, a strategic alliance. They've even moved the Nice shop from China Grove down into Statesville to be close at hand with GMS and share as much information as possible. You stop and consider, you've got GMS, they aligned with Halmar Friesen Racing when uh, the HFR camp kind of change direction midstream this season and now to add Nice that's five or six perhaps trucks under the GMS technical banner I mean if they all work together pretty closely that this is the first time in a while we've seen a technical gamut quite this
1: big. Cisco I was going to actually come to you with that and the idea that it seems like GMS with the success that Halmar Helmer Friesen had with them this year in elevating their performance. This is one of those moves that kind of sneaks up on you, I think, because no one expected Nice Motorsports to make an announcement like this, but this shows a commitment to me on the part of that entire organization to become more competitive, and I think this really feels a lot like the Helmar Friesen situation when they decided that they were going to align with GMS and instantly became more competitive. That is a very good case study for Nice Motorsports to give them optimism going into the season.
3: Exactly.
1: And I mean,
3: we say overnight because it was, it was like that. It was all of a sudden, we saw the fifty-two truck was oh hello Stuart Freeze yeah. where did you come from but yeah it was and this is absolutely a case study for that and it's also a case study that hey the more people you have working on your truck the faster it's going to be and the more and the bigger that notebook is the more notes you're going to have off of to start working on that truck and well you just might find a little bit of
1: speed well you know and when you look at the truck series for next year Jacob. You look at a team like Halmar Friesen, and if they end up running the full season, I don't see any reason why they aren't heavy contenders, serious contenders, for a playoff spot and a run at the championship, because I believe that much in Stewart as a racer. Absolutely. And
2: you know, their season got derailed a little bit mid-year when they had some crashes and had to take a couple races off, but... The last five or six races, we watched Stuart Friesen be a totally different race car driver than what we're used to seeing. I watched him be a totally different race car driver than I've ever seen him on the pavement when he wrestled that 52 truck to a sixth place finish at Martinsville in October. That was a tremendous moment for them. He got a top five at Loudoun, New Hampshire in the playoffs. These guys have been trending in all the right directions to close the season and you're right I believe in Stuart Friesen's racing ability and I believe that they will be serious contenders to make the playoffs heck the way Stuart wants Eldora back for dominating that race (laughs) the way he did I'll go ahead and circle it right now give Friesen the golden shovel and a playoff berth next year because I don't think he's gonna let that one get away twice
1: well he certainly is gonna do his best not to I'm sure and speaking of drivers who have raced dirt and been very successful another news item that isn't so much a nascar news item but certainly involves one of the top nascar cup drivers kyle larson becoming sole owner of his sprint car team now which was larson marks it is now kyle Kyle larson Larson. (laughs) basically um what do you make of this jacob
2: I'm not going to give all my thoughts because we're going to talk about this at length coming up next week on our Motorsports Madness show, but I will give a few thoughts here. This, to me, is Kyle Larson being ready. This, to me, is Kyle Larson saying, I've learned what I needed to know. I'm ready to do this on my own. And it's not that Justin Marks isn't still going to be available for advice if need be but I think when this all started I don't think you know Kyle Larson is still only like 24 25 years old but when he first came into this he was 22 23 years old and I don't think at that point Kyle had the life experience and the team ownership experience to be ready to to do a world of outlaws run and a full campaign by himself. I think he's had the experience, he's had the right people around him, and now with the addition of Paul Silva who was his crew chief on the World of Outlaws for the sprint car races that Kyle ran this year, he's got the people around him for this to be successful doing it on his own, and I think that's the big key. This is Kyle Larson transitioning into a different place now. It doesn't change the team if anything I think it makes the team even stronger. And again, I won't give my whole argument away, but I'll say this much. I believe the two crew will be a serious contender to dethrone Donnie Schatz next year. It's a tall order
1: for sure. Uh, An interesting trend that we're seeing with a lot of these younger racers getting into ownership at a very young age. Of course, we had Mason Mitchell on the show earlier, and he's been a team owner for a while now in the Arca series and Tyler young as well. in the truck series, uh, doing a nice job in the ownership role. And you have Carl Larson, you've got Ricky Stenhouse now, uh, with a a little bit more, uh, perhaps of an ownership role in his reorganized sprint car situation. Uh, we'll talk more about that as well, but Cisco, I want to give you a minute or two here as we come to the close of the show, because you're very familiar, obviously, with iRacing, working for LSR TV, and iRacing has recently made a whole bunch of changes on the platform—modifications, upgrades, uh, and anything. And global rallycross. Yeah, global rallycross. Oh. Uh, talk a little bit about some of that for those in our audience who may not be aware, but who are maybe iRacing savvy. I didn't know we were doing this segment. Um. Okay. Well, for I those like surprises. Who for,
3: for those of you privy to iRacing, there are four builds a year. They're quarter builds. So every, every four times a year, they go through and make changes to the sim. There's actually an update sitting for me right now after this radio show. So basically what those do is essentially allows the development team to come in and make changes and update the sim to get it more in line within real, realism. And this time, they made a lot of changes primarily in the oval racing division, yes, Rallycross was the big ticket item, and just under that was the Dirt Midget car, which Rico Abreu helped develop, and from what I hear is doing wheelies on its rear tires if you drive at full speed, but... Wow. I Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. All the stuff with Rallycross, there's heat racing now in the sim, but the biggest change, because we're involved in it, because we're on the Stock Car Show, is the oval racing, because all of the top three series cars got an update which changed the chassis, which changed the aerodynamics, and changed the overall behavior of the car. And after talking with some of the drivers involved, Jacob, the dynamic is very different because we're now seeing cars that, for the first time since, I'd have to say, 2011, these cars are much more unstable than they've ever been in a very long time. And I don't say that from, like, they're not like staying on the track unstable they can stay on the track but they're much more loose and much more harder to handle which if you've ever driven the cup car on the sim the last couple of years while it wasn't i would say tricky to drive you well i i guess you could say you you didn't you couldn't just stamp on the gas pedal but the car had a lot of those characteristics Jacob and this is starting to get us towards that direction where yeah where we're starting i wish to get the real cars there.
1: would go
2: <laughs> yes all, all, all i'm going go the right direction all i'm going to say here to wrap up cisco's point is this drivers need to be able to drive race cars now on iRacing real drivers can have to drive race cars entertainment enough said
1: well yeah i mean and i think what What we're all trying to get to here is wouldn't it be nice if we could once again get the cars to the point on the real track with the real stuff where we do see more spin outs and the drivers have to lift more and get out of the gas and really work the corners again because that's what always increases passing. Yes,
2: and with that, we are quickly going to throw a checkered flag yes, on this are. show because Bill's making a, giving me the evil eye and making us get the heck out of Dodge. Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Sue Mason, Bill Holt behind the glass, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible, as well as our fine sponsors at HMS Motorsport. Joe Marco and all the staff, visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. For Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza, I'm Jacob Sealman reminding you to keep it off the wall, and we might just see it a racetrack somewhere. Folks, good Good night. night. (laughs)
0: You've been listening to The Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.